0: The, the, the whole why we got to the why we're the worst tour Lakefront Brewery their truck pulls out in front of our, our place like nine days a week <laughs> and they, and it has a big thing on the side of the truck that says we're the best tour in Milwaukee so they our th- pull
1: up they they block our garage door for an hour and a half every day and then they just sit there
0: so we're like we're like the worst tour in Milwaukee because <laughs> that, we didn't kind of actually
1: want to do tours we are kind of like well this is kind of lame
0: if you, if you come to tours it's going bad (laughs) all I I can guarantee that. Not only
2: bad, but the worst. (laughs)
0: It's gonna be the worst. Cheers.
2: You have stumbled into the Tap Takeover podcast interview recorded on September 26th, 2017.
3: Tap Takeover, Tap Takeover, Tap Takeover.
2: Welcome back to the Tap Takeover Podcast Brewery Series. I'm Jesus, along with Jim and Andy. Today, we're at Black Husky Brewing in River West. We're sitting with Tony and Tim Eichinger, the two owners of the brewery. They wear many hats at the brewery, as you will find out. This is a labor of love. They have a great passion for creating great beers. Some of the topics that we will be discussing are how they got started brewing, what happened that made them say they can do this at a larger scale. We'll talk about their first brewery in Pembine that they started in 2010 and the move to Milwaukee last year. We'll definitely talk about the awesome new brewery, the their capacity, and their thoughts on distribution. We'll get a little serious when we discuss the reputation they got for being a little difficult. They have embraced it and uh, have a good reason for doing things their own way. Of course, there isn't a Black Husky Brewery without a Black Husky. We'll talk about the nearly 17-year-old Husky Smokey and the impact she had on the brewery. If you're wondering what Smokey looks like, you can see her beautiful mug on her own bottle. She can be found on the Smoke Monster. As we do here at the podcast, we do a little tasting. Welcome, Tony and Tim. And we're going to start with the Oktoberfest beer that you just released. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Absolutely. First of all, it's called a Yodler Koenig, which is... Jodeler König means yodeling king, kind of was named after our son, actually, Jake. We taught the yodel, and he won the yodeling contest at German Fest one year. So, kind of, you know, we have a German heritage we're pretty proud of, so that's kind of what we started with for the uh, Oktoberfest. This is actually my first lager, and that even goes back to when I was homebrewing. I did do, when I was homebrewing, one lager, and it ended up tasting like a Belgian beer, which, of course, is... (laughs) <laughs> means it had it was a total disaster okay. so this is the first logger and actually I got my tips on how to do this from uh, Leo over at um, Lazy Monk who is in Eau Claire oh, and yeah. Uh, Laos yeah he's from uh, the Czech Republic and so I always say I have a Polish friend and a
3: Czech one too <laughs> oh uh, okay so it's one of too cha- early for this kind of humor <laughs> one of the challenges of brewing lagers of course is the very low fermentation temperatures how did you overcome that because you've got very large fermenters in your brewery but yeah
0: it's it's not that hard it, you know now we've got such a, a nice temperature controlled system that actually you know it's 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 pretty easy Thing is, just knowing kind of the process that that you go through for doing loggers ales is. I've been doing it, it's like a lot of this stuff is more about what you're comfortable with, other than it's actually that hard to do. People who do loggers all the time, and then you ask them to do an ale, they just kind of freak out. Well, I've been doing thousands or batches of of, of ales. Now you got to do a logger. You know, when I was up north, I had a good excuse not to do it. I couldn't do it because I didn't have temperature-controlled fermenters. So it was a nice way to weenie out of actually, you know, doing it the right way. So I've been using, like, a pretty neutral ale yeast for years and years, uh, USO5. It actually does a pretty decent job. You don't have a lot of, you know, esters and things that come through. But I wanted to do... I really thought it was time to actually do something a little bit better and be a little, you know, now they've got the, the equipment to do it. That's why I went, and went ahead and did the lager. It does make a difference. I would say that this is, the malt bill has always been very, very continental, very German. It's all Weirman malts. It's uh, Slovenian hops. I used to, you know, get into the argument with people. It's like, well, it's not really an Oktoberfest. Well, you know, yes, it is. It's it's got it's got as much it's got as much I mean what what makes it an Oktoberfest? So you know, what makes it that, that that style of beer? And of course a lot of it's the ingredients and the process. Yeah, we're using an ale yeast, which is a big you know uh, is a, a big no-no but you know a lot of people are using what in their oktoberfest they're using all you know domestic malts and domestic hops so what makes it authentically an oktoberfest so this year now we have a lager yeast so this is you can't argue anymore it's it it, it is an oktoberfest and i really like it i'm very happy with it Going to the lager yeast, you know, people always, how do you describe, the, you know, the yeast of an ale versus a, a lager. It's really hard to do that. You know, people always say fruity, and I'm not really sure that's really what it is. But there definitely is a neutral character to lager yeast versus ale yeast. And I think that really what happens with a lager is that it doesn't get in the way of all the other elements you're putting in. This is, does not have a hot profile pretty much at all. It's it's really, really hard to get to, which in my opinion is what you should have in this beer, but it's very malty. It's much maltier than most other Oktoberfests. So what really comes through on this is the maltiness, but because it's a lager, you don't have that sweetness that you get from an ale that fruitiness that you have so in my opinion what happens with this is a lot there's a lot of munich malts in here and munich malts are malted differently than a caramel malt you end up having sweetness That is and maltiness that tends to be more, I think they always describe it as bready. Yeah, I
3: think I'm getting more grain. Right, Uh, right. In an ale, you get a lot of sweet malty flavor, and this gets more of a grainy kind of malt flavor, but it's not roasted at all.
4: I I like the big malts in it. I think it's pretty tasty. Thank you. I mean, I like that you led with a lager because you do have a reputation for doing only big beers. But I think this is a big Oktoberfest, and that reputation follows you all the way back to Pembine. So what we'd like to jump into now is if you guys could tell us how you got your start in Pembine and a little bit about your first brewery.
1: Boy, how do we get our start in Pembine?
2: How'd you get your start in brewing?
1: That's a good. That's that. You tell that. Well,
0: that's because I. Tony bought me a kit. Yeah. She bought me a kit for a half a vice.
1: Well, and. because, and, and I'll backtrack with that, because we had moved up to Pembine from West Dallas in 99, and virtually no beer available up in Pembine, other than, you know, Bud Light, Miller Lite, Michelob Ultra, if you're lucky, that was, you know. Old the, style. Oh, oh, yeah, you could get old style. <laughs> the 30-pack you know, we of always, hams
2: wasn't there yet, or?
1: <laughs> I still drink hams. Yeah.
2: yeah. We all do, we all do. <laughs>
1: There, i mean there was really lacking and when we lived in town before we moved up our favorite place was kegels inn in west milwaukee and of course they had all the german beers on tap that wasn't a thought that occurred to us that when we got up to Pembine, there would not be that so we really were kind of searching for a long time for a decent beer to drink and for christmas one year i got tim a half of ice kit and that's kind of where it all where it all started. I think we had been down to Milwaukee and had stopped in at Kegels. And we just kind of, all of a sudden, was like, wow, we, boy, we really missed this. And if, if you can't buy it, you got to make it.
3: So what was it that really spoke to you, Tim, that said, hey, this is something I really want to go gung-ho on.
0: It wasn't the half of ice. I mean, I made the half of ice and I, and I still do. I love I love a half of ice. But one day I was going to go out and burn garbage because that's what you do up north. You burn garbage because they don't actually have garbage pickup. You usually do it on a day like this. It's kind of raining out because you don't want to burn the forest down. So it's, it's a miserable job. You're going to be out there. You're going to smell like garbage when you're done. It's going to be raining. You're going to be, you know, kind of wet and stuff. So you, what what do you do? Well, if we might have to do a job like this, I might as well drink. So when we lived in Pemba, the nearest big town was Iron Mountain, and so we went up there to Econo Foods, and I picked up a six-pack of Two Hearted Ale, and so I went out there and was burning garbage, drinking Two Hearted Ale, and I was like, "Oh my God, this is the best beer I have ever had!" <laughs> and so that's what kind of got me on the whole brewing thing. Before that, I did a, you know a beer here and a beer there, uh, using a old you know, turkey deep fryer thing. Yeah, you know, that's oh, yeah. How you, you know, yep. so you'd go through like 20 pounds of CO2 and it, you know, sounded like Cape Canaveral all the time when you were <laughs> brewing. That was that was what where I started and I got my obsession with hoppy beers. Cause I would just brew the same beer over and over and over again. Just change one variable. You know, maybe I'd do a different yeast or I'd do a different hop or I'd do a different malt. But I kept you know, I would just do one thing so I could eliminate what was the variable that I, I didn't like or the what I did like. So I would brew three times in a day know do the same thing you know it got kind of maybe a little obsessive I don't know you know you
1: think just
0: just
4: a touch (laughs) so what was the what was the beer that gave you that aha moment when you were brewing all those different beers to tell yourself that hey I could I could do this and start a business out of this
0: uh, it would have to be the spruce. And that was, the spruce thing was kind of a, that was one of those drunk talk things. I mean, <laughs> not that anybody ever does that. I mean, <laughs> and I- and, and, Always
1: well thought out and planned well, for-
0: and, and typically that's what I, you know, I do. I'm very, very, you know, I can be very methodical about things, but I was sitting, we actually, I, we actually, we built our house up north, it's a, it's a log cabin, and I had um, some logs left over and I built another smaller building and we ended up keeping that and making it the brew house. And when you're brewing seven times a week, you have a lot of beer left over. And so I actually started having beer on tap and stuff. So people would come in by us. They usually bring over like a homemade wine or something and, and yeah. I'm like, okay, I don't want to drink this. Or a bottle of Jaeger. So we, you know, that's we, we drink a lot of Jaeger. But I was, so sitting there one night with one of my friends, I was kind of, you know, talking to him about, you know, the pale ales I was making and the hot forward beers. And I was saying, I really am trying to get that nice piney flavor, you know, where you get that real good. It wasn't so much the citrus now that you have. It was more piney back in the day. And he says, well, you got all kinds of pine trees around here. Why don't you just throw some pine in there? And I said, well, actually they used to do that. You know, when the settlers first came in, in. They didn't have hops so they put spruce and he didn't believe me, so I said well next time I brew I'll throw some spruce in. And that's kinda and that how it, that was kinda how it started, you know, just from drunk talk, you know, just <laughs> sitting around being stupid. So But even
1: the first batch of that, I don't even think that was when you had to dial in much. That was that was like bam. There you go. You know, you didn't mess with that one much. You didn't... No,
0: I, a little bit I did just because I thought that it needed a little bit more malt than just a regular pale ale. So, but over the years, it kept on getting a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. I think initially it was probably about a, uh, like the pale ale, probably about a 7% and it ended up being about an 85 to 9% where it is right now. You know, where you have a, a decent malt backbone to it. That's
1: my go-to beer. Always. You know, I'll finish the day and it's like, okay, I can get to go out to the tap room, have a beer now. And I'm I was like, oh, I'm gonna try something else today and then I go and I pour spruce.
3: So you've always been known to make beers that you want. There's always been kind of a guiding principle of Black Husky. So I'm curious, is there a favorite style that you have? I mean, you make a lot of IPAs, but is that really like your go-to beer? No, it's not,
0: actually. What I You can ask anybody, uh, the beer tenders here, what what I always drink is I always drink the Deck Dog. And the Deck Dog is mm. basically my version of a, it's like Bitburger. Somewhere between Bitburger and and which is a German Pils, which is... The IBUs on that are like like 40, 42, and that's really what I like to drink. It's it's very clean, it's very bitter. If I go out, because I just had somebody ask me to, that today, you know, what do, what do you what do you when you're not drinking your own beer, what do you drink? Part of it is it depends where you're at. I'll almost wherever I go to, I always have the double IPA. I love double IPAs. I love the hops, but I want the malt backbone. I don't really like the you know smaller that's kind of where your palate progresses to, you know? And that's, everybody's got their thing, but stouts are okay, but I'm always, I, I like that hot bitterness, but it's gotta have a little bit of malt behind it. And that's one of the things I really like about the German Pilsners is that they're, you've got that malt flavor, but then, when you want to go to an IPA, I don't want that harsh bitterness that you get at the end. I want to make sure there's enough malt to support that hop. So, is there anything that you won't make? I don't make sour beers on purpose. Mm. You know, I you know sour beers, and I'm trying. I'm really, really trying with the sour beers.
1: Yeah, we've been trying when we go places to to try one. But part of it is that I really don't. Neither of us. We don't really want to have to work that hard to like something. Either I, w- I want to drink it and say, oh, I really like this. I don't want to have to spend like a whole lot of energy. I'm going to like this beer at some point if I just try harder. Every once in a while we have one where it's like, yeah, okay, that's okay. Well, it's not probably anything we're ever going to brew.
0: Yeah, but I, mean, I would like to try it. I really would because I think some of the European style ones are actually more tart than they are sour so like i had the berliner weiss from nuclearis and i thought that was just done very 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 well then i've had some other sour domestic sour beers that are just so sour and i guess that's kind of you know as americans we're kind of known for doing things over the top but i think that could be more restrained you know you don't have to have every single sour
1: a lot of them to me taste like the pixie sticks they used to get when you were kids that it's it's just so much that it's not the first drink is maybe okay but to have a whole glass of it's just like i don't find it that appealing so
4: not as balanced as you'd like yeah it's just
1: too it's just a little which is weird it's kind of a weird thing actually to say well i don't like things i don't like it being that much when my go-to beer is spruce but it's just that that sour pixie stick is what i always think
0: yeah, and then you have you know you have your different types of bacteria you're putting in there and stuff, and the horse blanket flavor that people talk about. Like, I'm not really sure why you want something that tastes like a horse blanket.
2: <laughs> so, when did you start coming down to Milwaukee? I figured, I remember seeing the bottles at discount, and I just I remember liking the dog, so I started buying a lot of the pale ale. It, it was great, it was fantastic, and I was gonna try to make the trek to Pembine, but then you guys moved, came to me, so that was <laughs> great. But when did you start? You know, you opened I in think,
0: 2010. I think. Well, well, we started in 2010. We started distributing down here in 2011. And I think part of the reason we did that was our son had moved to Alaska because Jake was the one who was really into dog sledding. So we had 23 sled dogs. And then he moved up to Alaska. Then he met a girl there and they came back to Wisconsin and they moved down to Milwaukee. And so we had been approached before that to bring our beer down here, you know, who's your distributor? It's like we don't have one. Well, how can I get your beer? You can't. You can't. You can't. <laughs> you can't yeah, you know? it's just... But then when Jake and Lena were down here, it's like, well, you know, I could, I could drive down deliver a few kegs of beer see the kids and then you know go back back home the next day so it, start, it just started out very you know like four or five kegs and a couple well, of and a it couple was of cases. it was kind
1: of funny too because we didn't actually ever market anybody what had happened was that a couple people had had some of like the spruce in particular yeah. at a beer festival we had done in eagle river and somebody that worked at one of the distributors had gotten hold of a couple bottles and really liked it. And actually that person had gone to like sugar maple and a couple places and said, you really should, this, we don't distribute this, but you really should try to get this. So actually it was somebody that worked for a distributor that talked to sugar maple and said, you should get this. So we had a couple places call us that way. And then after we got into one or two places, then it just, kind of took on a life of its own.
2: So are you saying you drove down those cases to discount?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. Still do.
0: Wow. Still do every every single thing that's delivered. I think there was one time I didn't make the, the, the deliveries. No no you, you did it one I time. You, you and Blanche went down. Yep. And then this last wow. summer when we were first opening up uh, Michael uh, did some deliveries yep. for us one day. So what's your current volume? Right now we're probably about seven hundred barrels a year, which is still pretty small. Our capacity is about two thousand. But you know we're we do things our own way. We're pretty small. We've been approached by distributors over the years a lot. But I just, you know, Tony and I talk about this because one of the things that well, I can remember sitting down with her and talking to her about this, and you know, I had Howler with me, who was the black husky, and saying, Dad." You know, do you want to start? I'm like, I think I can do this. I think we can. We, I, can I can do this professionally. And she's like, "All right, if we're gonna do this, we gotta do it our way. We're not gonna compromise on stuff. We're not gonna dumb down our beer. It's gonna be a lot of work, a tremendous amount of work. And if you're gonna put that much work on the stuff, do it." Your own way because otherwise you're better off keeping your day job than you are doing what we're doing because it's a lot of work the only thing you get out of it is that you really enjoy what you're doing
1: so many years into it I still don't draw a salary
0: yeah and that's but but that's just tough, so yeah it is it's it's, yeah, it's 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 a long game when you're looking at you know what what we're doing so the only thing at the end of the day you have is the integrity of you doing things the way you want to do it because that's that's the thing that you know you can say well I don't know I don't maybe you're rationalizing I don't know either way you say well we're not making a lot of money or doing it our way God no damn but, that, but that does kind of
1: I come across that when I work with a glassware vendor or a t-shirt vendor people we take it all so incredibly personally. And when you're dealing with different businesses, other vendors, sometimes I don't think they're not always used to dealing with the people that own it and own it, you know, fully and are just on every little detail all the time. So where it can be sometimes as if we're overly picky or hard to work with, I think it's, I think part of it, I think, yeah, we probably are a little bit difficult, but I think part of it is that people aren't necessarily used to working with the owner of something. They're working with an employee or who who does have you know a, a goal something they're supposed to be accomplishing, but that at the end of the day they don't really care. They care a little bit, but they don't care if it turns out a hundred percent perfect. Where when when we work on something, it's got to be perfect. And so that's where probably we get the reputation of being a little difficult to work with. Don't don't um, say we. It, don't it, say <laughs> <no, no, no. laughs> okay, It's it, it her as much as me. Oh. <laughs> you know that difficult in our own
3: areas. <laughs> That's understandable. When you do sign up with a distributor, you do give up uh, some of your control. As third sign, uh, the retail arm of Octopi found yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. They've essentially had to shut down because of their difficulties with their distributor, who eventually got sold, and yet they're still unable to distribute, even though their distributor no longer exists. So that can really put you in a bind in a small organization like this.
0: Well, yeah, and, and you you've got to think about the long game. That we we talk a lot about that. You, you got to look at what's going to be happening. You know, not just today, and maybe that's because we're a little bit older than most most people who are in this business, is you know, what's gonna happen, you know, in th- five years or ten years. What are you gonna do with this? Yeah, maybe you can do you know, to me, I'm always looking, we, we have our different roles, but I'm always looking at you know how hard you want to work for the margin you're making. Yeah, you can sell a lot more beer, but if you're selling canned beer, a four-pack of canned beer, your margins are pretty, pretty low. So, in order to, you know, so in order to actually make any money, you have to distribute a lot lot of cans. But in order to actually get into a lot of places you have to sign the distributor. The distributor wants forty percent of that. So now you gotta make even more beer. So now you have to have you gotta buy more equipment. Well I don't have the money for equipment, where do I go? Well I will get some investors to come in. So it's now, a, so it's now, a, a so now you start really? You start compromising it's not just one thing. You know you're you're not just saying well now I have a distributor. Well now you have you have you know investors too. And now they're in, they're whispering in your ear or sometimes you're not actually whispering. There <laughs> might be might be a little more aggressive than that. And so what happens is that, and that gets back to what Tony said back in you know, 2009, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it our way. Sometimes it seems a little bit almost regressive. But it is. It's staying true to those very, very core principles. We're gonna do it slow. We're gonna do it our way. We don't want to get a lot of people involved. It's not a big dick measuring contest about you know who can do who can do more <laughs> can barrels than more. anybody else. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, we are a bit controlling, but I like the fact that we work directly with our accounts we have a a stupid little process of checking kegs in and out when tim makes deliveries and when i check them in the empties that he brings back i kind of go through and i i'll look at it and i'll say oh gee you brought back a keg of spruce from this date but they are they had a keg of spruce from before that that didn't come back so that's out of rotation that keg of spruce should have been used before the one you brought back and i'll email or call him and i'll say hey you got a keg of spruce from this date. Do you know where it is? Why it's not on? And nine times out of 10, it's that it's, we use the small six kegs. So it gets lost behind a half or a quarter barrel or something. And then they'll be like, oh yeah, we'll get it on right away. We like that level of control that, especially for the hoppy beers, if we're putting it out, we want those rotated properly. We want the freshest beer getting out to the customer. And if, if you go with the distributor, nobody's doing that. The distributor's not doing well, that for you. That's
4: the great part about being, you know, owning your small business outright. You can hold everyone accountable who wants your beer. So while well, we've been talking, some more beer magically appeared in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's the second beer that you guys have chosen? Bruce. Bruce. Awesome.
0: You know, this is our signature your beer you know I mean that's just kind of you know maybe it was drunk talk but still you know the the thing about this is that every single beer we do has a dog associated with it so this was the um my my dog was really howler and he's the black husky and howler was a special dog and he was very I don't know how would you describe he was he was very social you know whereas a lot of the a lot of the huskies are kind of you know they kind of are you know a little bit off putting sometimes. And yeah, he
1: no, he was he was very social, but he was kinda arrogant and independent also. S- Surprising we <laughs> got along <laughs> together, eh? So
0: yeah. So but but now Tony's dog was not social at all. He only liked me. Yes, and he bit everybody. (laughs) Absolutely. He was a biter. Much like his owner. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And so that's so Lothar is a dog on spruce. Yeah,
1: and he really I mean, I always call him my shadow. I mean he just was always by my side. He did not leave the room you know without me or let me leave the room without him and didn't go to bed unless i went to bed and he just was always um but but he was he really was the perfect one for for spruce because it it is kind of a biting it's not for everybody some people have it and they're like oh my god and 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 actually when we When we first opened back up in Pembine, we tried to do a little bit of tours and tastings for a little minute. The very first tour that we did or tasting, a gentleman came in, and we went through five or six beers, and and he drank that, and he spit it out, and he said, that is the worst beer I have ever tasted. If you guys think you're going to get anywhere with that, you should stop making that beer. And this was a, a guy from up north, and it's funny because we still see him when we go back up to do the wasaki fall festival we've seen him several years and he'll always come up and he'll say you don't make that spruce beer anymore do you that was awful and then you know we always have to tell him you know that it's well
0: but he had a marketing background (coughs) yeah he He was a retired guy up there and so we always screw with him a little bit like that but yeah Yeah. well because like like next weekend we'll be up there because we we don't we, we didn't actually we never sold a lot of beer up north a little bit here and there. But we have one account up there, Newingham's and Milwaukee. So every year we do a uh, fall festival there, which is, and the weather is always horrible. And that guy shows up every year and, Always you know,
1: tells us we shouldn't be making spruce. <laughs>
3: yeah.
4: Did you tell him that spruce
0: helped you guys build your
4: brewery? <laughs> yeah,
3: absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We tell them that's the main one. You know. Paid for the tanks, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this is a really interesting. Uh, it's an IPA with actual spruce in it. And for me, the spruce accentuates the, the piney flavor of the mm-hmm. hops without being overpowering. I think it comes across quite well. well.
0: And, and it's it's real spruce. You know, we go out to the woods and we've got a lot of spruce trees in our property. And so we just you know take take some of the branches off. I'm, I always take it off a of, you know I you know variety of trees. I never take it off all one tree. You know, trying to practice sustainable forestry. My spruce harvesting.
4: So how much of your production is is the spruce?
0: Oh, geez, that's
1: a good question. Um, it's
0: actually probably I'd say it's probably twenty to twenty-five percent of everything we do is spruce. Yeah, you know? well,
1: I would have thought it was that's, more actually. Yeah, that's
0: that's still pretty. I mean, it's still twenty-five yeah. percent. that's yeah. that's a pretty good breakdown in the pie. Well, it's not new grist or anything like that. Like what those, you know, they're, I think they do like 200 barrels a week.
1: I will say too, you have people come in sometime and they'll, they'll want to try something. And, you know, you'll start talking to them and they'll kind of explain what they like. A lot of times I'll say to them, you know, just, just try this. And you know, it's a beer. Take a little sip, try it. It's not, you know, nothing's gonna happen to you if you try a beer that you're not sure about. Nine times out of 10, people will say, oh, wow, that's, I never thought I would have liked that. That's always kind of fun. There's, I remember one lady in particular that goes to the Discount Crafts and Drafts Festival every year, and the first year I met her, she came up and she said, I hate IPAs. Give me something that's not an IPA. I I never found one that I like. I just kind of, you know, with her a little bit and I said okay you just you just have to try this one and she just loved it so every year now she comes up and she'll always say do you remember me and I'm like yes I absolutely <laughs> I do because and that's I think that's the fun part of getting people to try something that is not if you're just gonna give people well I like browns or I like whatever get them to try something
4: else you're getting them out of their comforts yeah just like you guys yeah. don't like sours but you'll still try them
1: yeah mm-hmm. Well, that,
2: that's the fun part. All right. Well, I think this is a good time to stop, take a little break, and uh, get some more beer. And we're going to come back and talk about their new space, their move to River West, and their future plans. So let's take it to some beer news. We'll be right back. Extra, extra.
3: That's right. Welcome to a special edition of Beer News. Jim filling in for Andy, who's on hiatus. All these bottle releases are within the next four days in the greater Milwaukee area. We start our journey with the brewery of this episode, Black Husky. Today, Wednesday, November 22nd, Black Husky releases Head Butter, a bourbon barrel aged barley wine. This barley wine has been sitting in a bourbon barrel for over two years. And to quote Tim, this release is older than most breweries in Milwaukee. November 24th, Black Friday brings us Milwaukee beer lovers a ton of tough choices. Starting at six 6 a.m., the Explorium in Greendale releases its bourbon barrel aged version of its cherry chocolate stout. This stout was also a collaboration with Cigar City out of Florida. Lakefront's Black Friday releases at 8 a.m. We suggest getting there early this year as a one bottle limit for their very special edition will be available to the first 700 people. This triple X reserve Black Friday is a blend of the previous three years of Black Friday. Now you can get this as well as the three bottles of the regular Black Friday which have been aged in rye whiskey barrels this year for the first time ever. This event is always a blast and a must attend event for the Tap Takeover crew every year. So we'll see you in Line super early, and maybe we'll share a beer or two with you. At 9 a.m., both locations of Discount Liquor will release Goose Island's Bourbon County brand stout with some of these special variants available as well. If you don't want to wait in line to purchase Bourbon County at 10 30 at Stubby's and 11 a.m. at Brass Tap, you will be able to buy a glass. Both of these great beer bars will have the 2017 regular Bourbon County and the barley wine variant on draft. At noon, Third Space will be pouring out two years of liquid layer Barley Wine with two variants of it as well. If you're a barley wine aficionado, make this stop as a flight of it. It's only available on draft and only while supplies last. Also releasing at noon on Black Friday as if it couldn't get better. Baloba Russian Imperial Stout, aged for nine months in bullet bourbon barrels. At Raised Grain, the annual Santa Sex Spiced Ale Winter Beer. At Like Mines, a spontaneously fermented sour saison finished with Wisconsin cranberries and aged in wine barrels. And it continues my friends At 2pm Urban Harvest Releases their Imperial Chocolate Whiskey Stout At 3pm Friends of the Show Enlightened Offers us limited two pack of the human condition A French Saison with lemon peel and elderflower If you haven't had your fill and passed out Or maybe you've just stayed away from the release madness The Harley Davidson Museum Has it's annual Black Friday Beer Fest From 4pm to 7pm This is an epic and historic release weekend for all the breweries in the greater Milwaukee area and the Tap Takeover podcast and beer lovers everywhere salute you and say keep up the good work. Don't forget there wasn't enough. The coveted CBS Canadian Breakfast Stout from Founders will make its return the first week of December. It was last released to the public in 2011 when Founders decided to put KBS bourbon barrels and then into Canadian maple syrup barrels. It has been a highly sought-after beer ever since. You can bet the house that people will be stalking liquor store beer managers as to exact delivery times. Make sure you do the same. And this has been Beer News. That's another wonderful and informative beer news. I can't wait to hit some of these places that you've talked about. We're back here at Black Husky in the River West neighborhood of Milwaukee. Again, magically, beer has appeared in front of us. I love this place. We got a real special treat here. It's the 2016 Sparkly Eyes, an Imperial IPA, 10.4% full of malty and sprucy goodness. Tell us what we're supposed to be tasting here, Tim.
0: Well, this is probably, uh, spruce is like 106 IBUs. So spruce is a, you know, like I say, it's like 8.6, 8.8. Actually, I just brewed this today for release later on this month. So this beer we're drinking now is at almost exactly a year old. For a 10-barrel batch, I used 1,400 pounds of grain, which is a lot of grain. It's a lot of bags to be uh, lugging around. But this is, this is very different than spruce. Visually looking at it, the color is almost exactly the same color as the Oktoberfest. Just to give you, reference. But it's a totally different type of rainbow totally different on the hops. And I think the IBUs on this are closer to 90 than they are 106. This is a malty, malty beer. It's got a lot more malt in it. It's got a lot more spruce in it. What happens is that when you start hitting it, that, that malt with that spruce, that the pininess goes away and you end up with more gingery flavor to it. And I think that's really what you get out of this. After sitting for a year, probably the the, the hops have died off a little bit not much though Boy, well it just but it's, it's, it's uh, to me, it, we talked, it's, it's candied raisins a little bit. But, I mean, it's gingery. It's re- very, very different.
1: I have a terrible story about this I should not even tell, but I'll tell, anyway. Well, uh, tell it anyway. Please now. tell it now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, last year, when we were moving down in June, and, I mean, it was just, it was a mess. I mean, it was just, we were trying to not have any disruption in service between going from Pembine to Milwaukee, so to not stop operations at all. And... So it was pretty insane. And at one point, we had to pack up all the beer that was in Pembine Line and, and bring it bit down. And apparently, I packed up a case of odds and ends of beer that I was going to bring down, but left them on the floor of the brew house. And we went back home a couple weeks ago when I was cleaning up some stuff in the brew house, and I lifted up a big pile of stuff and here was this case of beer that has just been sitting on the floor of the brew house for the last year since last June all through the hot summer winter spring all this summer and it had some bottles of sparkly eyes and several other beers and I was like oh my god I can't believe I left this stuff just sitting on the floor of the brew house totally improperly taken care of for a year's time. So I took a bottle in the house and put it in the refrigerator, sparkly eyes, and we cracked it open that night it as w- part of our Adele concert. Yeah, Tony, always, we always
0: have to listen to Adele, We always watch Adele know?
1: concert at night when we go home. <laughs> Don't get me started. But we cracked that open, and it was spot on. It yeah. was just like, so... Usually I'm not a big one to say yes, yeah, seller your beer. Apparently you can just take Sparkly Eyes and put it wherever in the trunk of your car, <laughs> and seasons. it's going to be awesome a year <laughs> later. So, but it was, it was just spot on. It was, it was just really fun to, uh, to taste. Let's
4: talk about the move to Milwaukee from, from Pembine. Out of all the locations, why River West?
0: We initially started out doing like, you know, I'd come down and visit Jake and Lena and, and bring a few kegs and some bottles, but then it turned into, you know, well, now we need 10 kegs and, you know, 14 cases and next thing you know, we're at 30 case, 30 kegs and so it's like we we have to come down to Milwaukee. That was when That I was grew obvious. up.
1: I grew up in the South Side of Milwaukee. But you got a lot so of Tony's got
0: a lot of family. My my here. family's
1: all here and then Jake, our son and Lena our daughter-in-law are here and we have a 4-year-old grandson. So that That was pretty much a no-brainer when we we wanted to expand but at the time I mean we had been talking about it for years but we had 23 dogs at home yeah and you know we talk about it loosely like what are we going to do some day and didn't take it seriously for the longest time because we had 23 dogs and we weren't going to get rid of the dogs. So it just kind of, as things kind of developed, we didn't have a place in Pembine to expand to and that just that just wasn't the place. And the fact that all the beer was coming down here, my family's down here, our grandson and Jake and Lena are down here, it was just pretty obvious. It, that wasn't even a stretch. As far as the river West neighborhood, we wanted a neighborhood that was the big thing. So when we started looking at different properties, different buildings, and we looked at some and you know, more south, and
0: back- Kind of the Bayview, Walker's Point area.
1: Up north, back home, we lived in the woods, literally. I mean, we were miles off the main highway and live in the middle of the woods. Everybody around us is weekend cabins. It was not unusual for us to go days and not see anybody. We wanted, when we looked at areas in town, it, it needed to have trees. It needed to have a neighborhood feel to it. River West is actually, a lot like Pembine in its social interaction. So while it's not in the middle of the woods, the the way people are in River West are the same as people back in Pembine.
0: Well, because you know up north, one of the things people complain about is people are always are always up in your business, and that's the same. But but that's and that's the same thing in River West. Every everybody's always up in your business all the time. But they're they're also. The first ones to pull you out know, of the ditch, yep. when you, yeah, and the first ones to help you out and stuff too. So I think that's kind of that 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 kind of you know, neighborhood stuff where people are active, overactive to a fault. We had people say, are you really gonna go from Pembine to River West? And these are guys who live out in the suburbs and they just don't understand what a neighborhood is like.
1: But and, and, and that's what is weird is because, yeah, this is a neighborhood in the city, but there's a lot of the same feel as the Pembine community. Back at home, you have bars that, you know, small neighbor, small town bars that you go to where you go in there and you'll be sitting there and somebody comes in with a bag of tomatoes and says, hey, you know, Joe's gonna be in on Thursday. Can I leave these tomatoes for him? He's gonna pick them up and, you know, just that kind of community thing. Bars back at home somebody's have a birthday party or a shower baby shower they don't have space at home so they hold it at the at the town bar the bar is you know doesn't charge them for space or say well you got to do this and that you bring in your crock pots you set up you have a party you buy some beer yeah. from the bar that's what we do here we don't have a
0: banquet hall but if you want to yeah. come in and set up and you know do something we got have the, the, yeah, got the go tall ahead.
1: table on Bremen street as long as you get a
0: plate right <laughs> yeah yeah no no you, <laughs> you know. yeah you have a plate then uh, you know drink a beer you yeah. Don't, don't carry in your PBR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, that's, we really just wanted that neighborhood trees and, and um, when we were driving around some of the neighborhoods, it was so much concrete that we were like, yeah, that's not, and we weren't doing a strip mall in the suburbs. So it just kind of when the realtor said he was getting we were getting a little frustrated because we weren't finding anything. And then he was like, well, there is this one building in River West. It'll be a lot of work. He sent us a picture. We were back at home on a phone conference with him and he he emailed us a. a link to a picture of it, and both of us were like, yeah, that, that's it, set it up. And it, it, it didn't take us any time at all.
2: Well, actually, I want to touch back on the, you have 23 dogs. Are they, like, on the labels? How do they become involved?
0: Every single dog that we had has to have a beer associated with it. We don't have them all yet, but we're getting there. Some of them are, like, like we've got, like, Lothar is on Spruce and Sparkly Eyes. Howler is on the pale, the original Pale Ale and, and Howler. So we've got a few more beers to do Yeah, Is so we,
2: Howler the main logo? The
0: How, Howler. Yeah. Howler is, he was the, the, the black, black Husky. Husky. And if you come down here, you'll see his big, you'll, that he's on the logo. We got a, like a six foot round picture of him in the, uh, the tap room. We've got a chainsaw carving of Howler, maybe a little obsessed, but Howler a little bit. I don't know, <laughs> but he was just, uh, he was a good shit.
3: You know, uh, one of the things I absolutely love about what you guys do is not only do you feature a dog on each label, uh, you've got these great, amazing stories behind the mirror, like talking about sparkly eyes here. It's not just that Lothar, you know, was a dog, great dog. He actually had psychic powers. He used his sparkly (laughs) eyes to control people, and he led the New Earth Army to resolve conflict worldwide. That's just, uh, who comes up with these stories? They're just so much fun.
1: That that one was mine. Um, <laughs> and probably probably we're going to get a cease and desist from George Clooney now, I think, because that, that, that does come from... So Sparkly Eyes is a really convoluted story. It's got that story to it. Because Lothar had this thing that he would do where he would, because he always hung out by me, he would come and he'd stand by my chair and he would just rest his chin on my, on my chair and he would just stare at me, be just totally locked in and just to make sure you know whatever I was gonna do that he didn't miss out on. And we were watching Men Who Stare at Goats, the George Clooney movie one night, and they went into this thing and I was like, oh my God, that is exactly what Lothar does. He's doing sparkly eyes technique on me all the time. And so it just kind of went from there. And yeah. when we did the Imperial version of Spruce, it had to be sparkly eyes because yeah. it just was. We, in my head, made total But We, sense. we
0: also did the more cowbell with that though too because when I was making this beer, wanted to do an imperial version of the spruce and because that Lothar was Tony's dog, she got the she got the approval and I I did more test batches of this beer than anything else. But one night we were sitting there and we were watching TV and drinking some beer and she we're actually watching reruns of uh, Saturday Night Live. So I gave her my latest version of the. Uh, Imperial Spruce we are going to do. It was the cowbell skit with uh, Will Ferrell. <laughs> and, and Christopher Walken. We'd had quite a few beers at that point. And so I gave her the so she turned to me and looked and said, this needs more cowbell. <laughs> so that's why, you know, we always have cowbell associated with the... So uh, it's a
1: bit confusing to people sometimes because it's, it's Lothar and it's a goat and it's a cowbell and people are like, I don't get what's happening here. <laughs> but it makes total sense to us and, and and, and we will be happy to explain it when people come in and and, and actually the first couple of years we put it out we actually hand tied little cowbells and put them on the bottles i missed a couple of years of it cuz i couldn't find the little cowbells and i was really amazed that I actually got emails from people saying I got my bottle of sparkly eyes but there wasn't any cowbell on it this year (laughs) and so just so people know this year there are cowbells again on sparkly eyes. So I really (laughs)
3: recommend everyone go to blackhusky.com to really read about the uh, stories behind the labels it's so much fun.
1: It's kind of it's kind of interesting I did get an email from a marketing person we had made the little announcement that we were going to move to Milwaukee and I got an email from somebody that was on marketing person saying oh I saw your labels and I've had your beer and and it's a really cool thing that you do that you have dogs on your on your label and then they said it's that's a that's a cool gimmick that you came up with to put dogs on labels because people love dogs and and beer and I was so incredibly insulted that somebody (laughs) thought I just like googled random dogs to put on our label so anybody that that knows us we take it incredibly seriously that the dogs on the label are dogs that were part of our family. We only have Smokey left now, but for us, the dogs on the label is our way to keep them in our memory and, you know, just to, to kind of hold to that. They were faithful friends for Many years, Smokey is almost 17 years old. When we were at at home in Pembine, the dogs were all with us for those 17 years.
4: Serves as a great memorial. Yeah, it's really, it's very personal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, with the move to Milwaukee, room to uh, grow to your your capacity you have now, more dog names to name beers after, and your focus on the long term, Uh, what do you envision for the future of Black Husky?
0: I think that, you know, a lot of people are looking at at the Distribution model, but I don't really think that is the right business model for most breweries right now. What I see is I see a lot of people who are. I mean, how many breweries do we have in Milwaukee now? Probably thirty, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that. Um, and and honestly, when we do our tours, like on, a, we we do two tours a week. And we do them on um, on Saturday. I bet you sixty um, percent of the people that do tours. <laughs> <laughs> we like the background noise. Probably sixty percent of the tours that we do are from Chicago. So we get there's a lot. A lot of people that come up because we we got a really good brewery scene here in milwaukee right now we're you know we're relatively you know we're, we're, the price point is good i really see that the future is rather than people going out and buying beer what they're going to be doing is they're going to be stopping in at places whether they go out on their bikes Whether they they drive, whether they Uber from place to place, is you're going to see a lot more people going to, on a Saturday or a Sunday, three or four or five breweries in a day and trying different types of places, different types of beers. And I really think that's the model going forward.
1: We, We think a lot of people assumed when we moved to Milwaukee that we had signed with a distributor. And I just talked to some people today in the tap room that were sure that we had gone with a distributor. It was just an assumption that was out there like, well, okay, you're in Milwaukee, you're gonna you're gonna go to a distributor. And and we didn't and and we don't plan to. I and we just really feel that beer this is probably cliche, and everybody says it, but but beer is or should be local. I think that we're heading back to local neighborhood breweries, just like back in the day where you had your local bakery and your local butcher. That's how I grew up on Southside in Milwaukee. You had your you had your butcher shop, you had your bakery that you went to. I think breweries are headed back to that. This thing of shipping beer all over the countryside. Nothing irritates me more when I go someplace at the county parks or someplace we went down to jazz in the park which is real close to our apartment there were no milwaukee brews at jazz in the park and there was a surly and i'm like really you got all these breweries in milwaukee and we got and and we have surly at jazz in the park in downtown milwaukee where we have how many breweries within two miles
4: and we can actually throw it back to a couple of our previous interviews that we have had where they feel the same way. It's going back to more of a, like you guys chose to be in a neighborhood, a local neighborhood establishment, like, you know, back, what, a hundred years ago, this area would have been considered a town, yep. and each little town had its own brewery that people went to for their beer. Well, and
1: Milwaukee's got that neighborhood thing going. We've got all the neighborhoods we, named, and...
0: You're really going back to what you had. I love, like, going to... I mean, every Everybody wants to see Norm at the end of their bar, right? I walk in, I see Chuck, I see, you know, you know I see Sam, I see see all these guys you know Victor you know all these guys that come in and I think that's really cool I mean I I love the regulars that come in we had hoped for that yeah, that's think That's fantastic. And
1: and we got that pretty quickly. We and we weren't sure. We had really hoped, in our view of what our tap room was going to be, that we had that regular. Well, where's and, and,
0: Paul? And, and, and beer um, beer is a social thing, and that's what's. I think that what my big fear about beer is that it becomes wine, or bec- wine is an, an exclusive drink. And beer is an inclusive drink where people get out there and you bring a lot of people into it. You have a couple beers, so I mean, I mean, I love my one-offs. I love the you know doing things that are different. But at the end of the day, it's a social thing. And what what beer does is it gets people. So you don't have people aren't talking about politics. They're not talking about well, the
1: divisive all, things. all the
0: divisive things. Yeah, yeah. they're talking about all the things that are you know what do we like you know. So if if you if you can make the world a better place by talking about beer and drinking beer and agreeing on something, then all of a sudden those things that everybody disagrees on kind of fade off into the background.
2: Well, this is all very nice, but we've heard that you have the worst poor in Milwaukee. <laughs> oh, abso- absolutely. <laughs> it sounds like you're a teddy bear, but can you tell us like a little bit of that reputation? Well,
0: basically what happens is that I, the whole tour thing I think is kind of Kind of odd because well, it stems from
1: the Miller tours where it was just like you go you go on a bunch of tours and you get you walk. Well,
0: well, you walk from building to building and you see this. And with ours, you're like standing in one place and you're like looking back and forth. Nobody wants to learn about how to brew beer. They don't want to know about your process. They don't want to. I mean, people are not like going to be impressed with our bottling operation. (laughs) You know, what what everybody wants to do is they want to learn about what makes you different. What what what's what what are what are we? How are we different than somebody else? What we do is when we do our tours, we have a rough script of what we're supposed to do, and then things kind of change. So, like, a couple weeks ago, on a Saturday, it was when uh, Don Williams had died, and Don Williams was considered the gentle giant of country music. So, what I... What Apparently,
1: I, we're really old, because I did a, I, I did <laughs> a little post on that and had zero responses on it. Crickets. Yeah, and actually had people say, oh, I don't actually know who Don Williams is
0: so what so. I but what, what I did that day is I I, I um, we did a tour but then I uh, I did blue eyes crying and I sang blue eyes crying in the rain for people because that was a Twangy so all day long in the uh, tap room we played twing, we only
1: we only played John uh, uh, Don Williams Styles. Songs in the tab. And so
0: those are kind of fun things to do, you know, where you're, you just kind of bring your own kind of flavor into things, have some fun with it. The brew, the brewing process is the brewing process. It is what it is. You know, everybody use pretty much the same process. Some people are better at it than others, but it's, it's still the same thing. So, I mean, that's the, our idea is that the, the, the whole, why we got to the, why we're the worst tour Lakefront brewery, their truck pulls out in front of our, our place like nine days a week <laughs> and they and it has a big thing on the side of the truck that says we're the best tour in Milwaukee so they our th- pull
1: up they they block our garage door for an hour and a half every day and then they just sit there
0: so we're like we're like the worst tour in Milwaukee because that, we didn't kind of actually thing.
1: want to do tours we're kind of like well this is kind of lame what are you touring you're gonna I wouldn't go to you're tour you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna stand in the brewery and we're gonna say here's our four fermenters here's our brew house. Yeah. Now, now
3: what? Once you've been on a tour, you've been on all the tours, yeah. right? I mean, it's all about the beers that distinguish you from every other brewery in um, the no, area. I would,
1: no,
0: I, 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 it's not just about the the, the beers. It's about the story, about who you are and what's, yeah. what's the identity of you. One of our uh, beer tenders here, Christopher, is a big beer trader. He's always bringing in stuff all the time. So he's like, I have Trillium. Like, I'm, I drink more Trillium than anybody wants to drink. I'm so sick of Trillium, I can't stand it. <laughs> but he brought in a funky Buddha the other day, and I was like, this tastes a lot like lime. Lainey's Fireside Nut Brown. It's very fake, very artificial tasting. And so, but, but, but you know, yeah, I know, Funky Buddha, you know, everybody loves oh. Funky Buddha, right? But that's what happens, that kind of stuff, you know, so. And, and I get people come in here all the time, they're bringing you a bottles of beer, you know, breweries from all over, you know, the U.S., all over the world. A lot of these guys are using flavorings, and I just... I don't I don't I can't do it I can't I can't go out and take something out of a a vial and throw in. and that's like today uh, you know we did the sparkly eyes and in order to get all the spruce out I had to climb into the the brew kettle it was hotter than hell in there too I'll tell you that and pull that stuff out of there
3: so yeah so one of the stories uh is this old gal who's uh still kind enough to join us today yep good old Smokey. that's not
1: me we're talking about uh no
3: (laughs) Good old Smoky, And we've got her beer right here. Uh, this is Smoke, smoke Monster.
0: Monster. This is 2013 Smoke Monster. <laughs> okay. So, so, so the smoke. Yeah, little
3: birdie told me that someone around here really loves Isle of Islay uh, scotches. Yeah, but this is
0: not that smoky, though.
3: <laughs> at, at, it's at, pretty close, at, though. At, at, at this point, that a lot of the smoke
0: has kind of faded, but it is definitely. This
1: is not everyone's beer. No. This and, is I
0: is not. I remember I, I, was at a, I was at one of our accounts, and they said, we had this one beer, and it was this horrible. We hated it. And I said, what was it called? It was called Smoke Monster. I said, it was my beer. I was like, okay. Sorry. But I mean, so I mean, you get the smoke and the aroma. Yes. Sure. but I mean, well, yeah, you get smoke. But the flavor, the, the, there, it was a lot smokier, you know, four years ago when we uh, first put it out. Well, and the, well. this
1: also is another really convoluted label. If you see, what, what next time, we haven't brewed Smoke Monster for a little bit now. So when we brew it again and people see the labels, it's, again, one, one that doesn't make a lot of sense to some people. But... Smoky the dog is smoke monster. The reason that we named it that is that back in the day some years ago there was the series Lost that was on if anybody remembers that and there was a smoke monster in Lost and Smokey just used to do a thing and that's the picture on the label. She would dig these huskies dig everybody knows that but huskies most huskies dig big holes. Smokey digs a hole only as wide as her body but as deep as she can possibly go and what she would do back at home is she would just dig these deep tunnels and you'd be she'd be gone you you'd look out and you couldn't see smoky you could hear her barking in the hole once in a while you'd see the end of her tail so that's the, the picture that we put on that and and you would just see this big cloud of dust from where she was digging. So when we did Smoke Monster, it was like, well, that's obviously smoky, and that's her digging the tunnel. But, and so that's where we got the whole story for from that. It's It's
0: not nearly as smoky as it used to be, though. No, but it's
2: it's.
0: Yeah, I would sweet, say the aging smoky. is, yeah,
3: it's I good. mean, I don't know what it was like originally, but I would say it, it's more balanced than it probably was. If you're saying it's, this is more it's smoky. It's pretty,
0: pretty sweet. It's got
3: yeah, uh, the malts coming yeah. through it's more. It's
1: really more like a scotch than it is a beer at this point, I think.
0: It needs more smoke.
1: <laughs> I, I would, I would cow kindly cow cow disagree, but this—I mean—it's really
3: cow cow. good. I think four years thing. of age <laughs> did well.
1: A smoky. <laughs> Uh, sparkly eyes. <laughs> That's fantastic, no, it's really it's good. good. Thank it's you.
4: Fantastic beer.
1: That that again is one of the, the just fun stories on that. I I kind of feel like sometimes people look at our labels and they're like they must be those those two must be on something because they don't always make sense. They make perfect sense. The stories and the beer names and the labels make perfect sense in our heads. That others get it, but
3: yeah. So as you guys continue to grow, somewhat up to your uh, 2,000 barrel maximum. Uh, obviously, you're probably tap room uh, first. But with your uh, dedication to put in a lot of work, you hand label all your 22-ounce bombers. But there's uh, some discussion amongst the industry that's saying that the 22-ounce bomber is kind of a, a dying format. And are you going to look to change at all?
0: We're, we're not going to cans. Is that is <laughs> that's what we're going to do? <laughs> well, we're no, kind of I, there.
3: We'll, um, be the we'll,
1: no, be the, we'll be the dinosaur. We'll be
0: the dinosaur. The, the 22s, yeah, they definitely have kind of all, and, and very rapidly, went from being in you know this is what everybody wanted to like nobody wants it now you know if you still make a really really good beer people are going to buy it if you do something that's exceptional they're going to buy it so i think where you're at that that's why i think the whole distribution kind of model is a little bit antiquated. If you put this beer in a 22 ounce bottle, people are gonna buy it. If you're gonna do a you know six 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 and a half percent pale ale, people probably are not gonna buy it. So what you have to do is you just have to kind of change your approach a little bit. And I, so I think you're gonna see, what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be doing a lot more of this kind of stuff. We're gonna be doing a lot more big, and this is this is our core, this is what we do. We do big, obnoxious beers that people.
1: So, so many breweries will put out something like, well we're trying to put out a beer that will appeal to a lot of different people yeah that, that we're not we're not trying to do that there's um, a
0: lot of people who are already doing that we, why, yeah. why would you want to do we're not gonna make we're not, we gonna make we're not gonna make spotted cow because because New Glarus does an outstanding job of doing that why would you want and that's the mistake a lot of people make is they see the, what someone else has done as a successful thing and they want to kind of do that same thing it just doesn't happen when, when we time. put
1: out some of this stuff so so here's smoke monster or there's sparkly eyes we like it the people that work with us like it we don't think that our six or eight people are the only people that are going to like it there's a whole bunch of other people that will like it It, is it millions of people No. no no but we don't need millions of people to like it putting out something to dumb something down just so, like, you can sell a whole bunch more in cans. That's not us. That's just not what we're we, going
0: to we, do. We need to brew more Smoke Monster. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I would agree. <laughs> yes. yeah.
1: And I think that's just a th- – and part of it is that – and maybe, I like Tim said before, part of it might be because we are a little bit older than a lot of the people going into starting breweries right now is you, you just have a level of who you are differently, and we don't really – we're not trying to appeal to everybody on the face of the earth. We're just, this is what we have. Pretty sure we're not the only people that like this. So there's probably enough people out there that will like it. And that's all we need to worry about.
3: Yeah, so as we wrap up here, so folks can come down not only to the tap room to enjoy your beer, but you've got a couple of events coming up. I think something really special for, for Ray's Growler Gallery, they've got a Behind the Beer series uh, that you're going to be featured uh, on the November 2nd. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about those special events? Well,
0: you know, Rob Zellermeyer's been around in the beer scene in Milwaukee for quite a while. He, You know, we, over the years, you know, he and I have talked a lot. And one of the things is that I've never been really happy with is kind of the the number of brew fests we have. There's there's like 12 brew fests every single weekend. And it's the same thing over and over and over again. So what I, what I really would kind like... It's
1: really drunk fest. It's not yeah, a brew fest. Yeah, but so, I would
0: like to do something where people have a little bit more of a discussion. So one of the things that we're going to do is We want to talk about, you know, things that where there's, it's almost more like, a symposium in the sense that you're talking about a subject and getting different opinions on stuff so you're out there you can go and you can have a beer or two and you can actually have some interaction with people who are on the business side and one of the things that we're going to do there is talk about does it really matter who brews your beer I think that's one of the things that Rob and I talked about is when you look at you know we talk about Funky Buddha you know Funky Buddha man they did some outstanding beers they got bought out how does that change things You know, um, when you look at, like, Goose Island, you know, they got bought out. How did that change their barrel-aged beers? They didn't. Not. But, but, I mean, their Goose Island IPA, definitely a different beer. Certainly not the same beer. So, does it change? Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, to a certain extent. So those are some of the things that I think are important to talk about. How does ownership, how does investment, investors, how do the, how do all things affect the beer, the bottom line at the end of the Wait, day? Wait,
1: and you because you have so many people that will come into the tap room. There are a million people that are wanting to tell you what you should do. Well you, you should be doing this, you you should be doing that, or why don't you do this, or why don't you don't actually know what it's like to run a brewery. I think that that discussion with what Ray's Growler Gallery is trying to put together is, okay, so you don't own a brewery and you want to come in and you want to ask questions and say, you know, ha- have those questions about, well, why don't you do this, that? Well, now we, we can tell you why that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Or and kind of that insider's mm-hmm. view. We're running it on a day-to-day basis. We don't have people. Tim and I also kind of laugh because we, we get emails from people that will be like, please direct this to your marketing. And, and we look at each other and we'll say, am I marketing or are you marketing?
3: <laughs> is it Tuesday? Tuesday? Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: which, which is let's that? Flip, let's
3: flip the coin. <laughs> you know?
1: So I think that that would be interesting for people to, it's him and I running it. You have all these ideas as a person that doesn't really own a brewery and you think, well, you guys should be doing this, that, or the other thing. Let us tell you, explain to you why that works or doesn't work. It's it's a Because to- everybody everybody wants to start a brewery. You know, that's you know, I home brewer. I want to start a brewery, which is where we were at at a point, but six, seven years later, we have a few insights onto why we do things the way we do. Like like we were saying, there are so many brew fests out there. It, it's getting kind of boring. So if you can have a different take on where you actually have a discussion, you have some time to talk, yeah, you drink some beer, but you're all not just getting drunk the whole time. You're actually talking about something. That I think that that's maybe a new wave of where things could be going.
4: Before we toss it to Jesus, to put a bow on everything for us, can you uh, tell our listeners the brewer? Location and the hours, so they can come grab a beer with you, maybe a questionable tour and a song.
0: Yeah, <laughs> very questionable tour. We are on, we're open uh, right now Tuesday through Sunday. We're at 909 East Locust, which is like two blocks west of Humboldt. We're in the Riverwest neighborhood, so we're actually not real far from like Lakefront. But we're like, I think we're like a mile it's away. It's
1: actually if you have a Saturday and you have you want to do something, there's actually four of us in the neighborhood. Now that would make a really nice little brewery tour. You can yeah. hit us, Gathering Place, which is just to the north of us, Company, which is just to the south of us, and Lakefront. We all know where Lakefront
0: Yeah, everybody knows Lakefront. But there's
1: four of us that you could hit on a Saturday and get a totally different beer experience at each place. Company has food. Lakefront has food. I, I would suggest do a little River West Brewery yeah. run.
0: But and and we're we have our tours on Saturday. Saturday. Saturday at one at two o'clock. You don't know. It's 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 going to be. If you, if you come to the tour, it's going to be bad. And so <laughs> I I can guarantee that you're, not only
2: bad but the worst. <laughs>
1: the it's going to be the
0: worst. The worst tour in you're, Milwaukee. Because you're
1: kind of kind of stand in one place and you're going to stand there.
0: You're not going to move. You're, just, you're not. Uh, so as far as touring, a uh, touring, I, I don't really know what the it's French, so I don't really it's know not what touring. it means. <laughs> but I mean, it's, you you are not really you're not moving a whole yeah. lot. But you are going to get some beer. You, and you know. and if
1: you're nice and you're well behaved, Smokey might come out. Visit exactly. for and if, a you,
4: you got, if you get yelled at, you probably deserved it. Yes. Exactly. No. <laughs>
1: yes. You got Most it. certainly. Yes. Goddamn right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well,
2: uh, Tony, Tim, we can't thank you enough for having us here. We're in the actually VIP room, cool space. It should be a retail space, but we we will get into that in the next interview. But thank you so much, and for myself, Asus. For Andy.
3: Uh, This is Jim. Tim. And Tony.
2: This has been another solid non-fail podcast. Cheers. Cheers.
1: Cheers. Cheers.